Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Back to do a preview of an actual football game. That's uh, that's pretty damn exciting to uh, to talk about. But I'm headed down your way later this afternoon. Uh, looking forward to being in Orlando for a couple days. And dude, I almost get nervous. I almost get sick to my stomach when I think about this game. Uh, uh, so excited! It's. Uh, you know, been out there on the horizon for so long. We've got a great guest that we're going to bring in in a second to help give you, the listener, a better idea as to how LSU versus FSU round two might play out. But uh, here's to game previews. Here's to getting through summer. And we've got a we've got a massive one, uh, but a couple days away. Dude, I, I'm really, really excited to talk all angles of this game. Uh, before we do, uh, we do have our prize picks sponsor again. And uh, I think we need to, Let's do a little more or less, man, with the, with the help of Prize Picks. Using your promo code NOLCAST, you can get a 100% deposit match up to $100, I believe it is, on Prize Picks. That's the app, which is cool. Uh, and the app is, of course, available in Florida, Georgia, and I believe uh, many, many other states as well. So check uh, your local listings in the App Store, uh, whichever app you decide, iPhone and Android. And you can also just do it on the website if you really wanted to. Uh, all right, we had a pretty good year doing this last year, actually. <laughs> a lot of our followers, yeah, you know, they like a sponsor. We're like, hey, man, you, you got any prize picks? You know. <laughs> so here's the thing. I had a bunch of good ones for tonight's Minnesota game, and they already moved them. Mm. So I don't really, like, I, I you know, I, I hit them. Obviously, we're not going to do like a, like a live prize pick show on a Wednesday. So I don't want to give out anything else for tonight's stuff. I don't see a lot of edge. Uh, if you do want to play something tonight, if you're a person who's listening to this on a Thursday, uh, I, given their track record, I would probably consider Jeff Sims more than the 35 rushing mm -hmm. yards um, just because the track record with Matt Rule is that he runs the heck out of his quarterbacks and jeff sims is like a 23 year old guy who's yoked who uh, needs to run if he's going to be successful correct so, yeah. um i think there is maybe a little bit of room potentially still in uh in daniel jackson or brevin spanford the two receivers uh for minnesota if you want to play that i i don't hate ricky pearsall's over nine and a half fantasy points for the gators not that I think the game script is Florida scoring a ton, but given the RPO stuff, I think they want to run, and given his proclivity to play in the slot, if he catches what four balls for, you know, fifty-five yards, you're you're there. Uh, so I kind of think that one can work. Again, I wouldn't go nuts on these, y'all. Always uh, play pr prize picks within your means and responsibly. If I if they were big big edges, I mean you know on the show sometimes I say they are. I don't think these are massive edges. I would also um, I would consider the Jamari Thrash overs just from what I've heard. Jamari Thrash is a receiver for Louisville who they got from Georgia State, and he every practice report I've read is just he's killed it. And when I look at at, at the history of Jeff Brom offenses, he will absolutely force feed a guy if he thinks he has an edge. I mean he just. He basically just just hits it until um, in, in, until it's gone. For instance, last year Charlie Jones, the receiver they got from Iowa, 
had 157 targets. Remember okay. how we were we were prize picking Charlie Jones early and often last year? And uh, yeah, Brahms number one receiver uh, has a disproportionate high target share throughout his career as an offensive coordinator and a head coach. So anyway, just wanted to open with the prize pick stuff. Uh, we will, of course, put out our official Nolcast card uh, later in the week, but there is no uh, there's no four state stuff right yet. Normally on Thursday there is, but this is a Sunday ball game, so we yeah. don't really have one there. We'll try to get that out around nine o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Sometimes it'll be out there Friday night, but uh, that is fun for us. Like I said, uh, best to do these. You know, if you've got five plays that you like, I would not just do a card on five plays. I might do you know, scale back and do three cards scattered over maybe six or seven plays that you like or something like that. So uh, you guys will get get the hang of it. The great thing with the Nolcast uh, deposit back match is that it gives you a little bit of room to try to get a feel for things. And uh, this is a hell of a lot of fun. I'm, I'm excited to work with these guys again. Good folks right here out of Atlanta. Uh, love them. Great to see they're doing big things and continuing to grow. And we're excited to work with them again. By the way, the chat wants to see Hambone on camera Sunday. Uh, I'll, put, I'll put Ham in. Uh, he's in lockdown right now, but uh, he'll he'll be around. Yeah, he'll got be you. around. He's got these damn pig like chew toys that when he chews them, literally sounds like a pig is squealing. And mm. uh, we've he's interrupted the show once with that, and we're trying not to have that happen again. So uh, I'll take there we go. Three stars on iTunes for a thousand, Alex. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool, man. Um, you want to just jump into this thing? I really pretty. Gosh, we have got a lot of live listeners already. This is great. I, 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 this is this is fantastic. Um, I think people are ready for some foosball. Definitely. Let's so, do this thing. Uh, what time's the ball game? Seven, seven thirty, eight. It's prime time game. Yeah. I should probably look at what time the game starts if we're going to preview the game. It, it, it is. I know it's a nighttime game. I know I'm going to get over there about four because I do got a lot of work got to do Sunday morning um, with, with with a quick turnaround of the games. All right. I mean, it's the only thing that I've known is at the end of the uh, the rainbow so much that you're right. Didn't even check and see what time it's supposed to be. It's a 7.30 uh, game. Seven, probably what, like okay. 7.36 kick? I, I, yeah, I, I was going to say probably a 7.42 kick or something like that. And uh, right. we'll be off from there. So Cool. All right. We know we know what day it is. We know generally the, uh, the time. We know we will be at the Madison Social Tailgate, which will be Ooh. awesome. Uh, a lot of our listeners signed up for that. I haven't seen if they've opened up any more tickets for that or not yet. Uh, if they do, we'll put it out on our socials. So yeah, look last night, still sold out. So congratulations to those guys. That's Man. great. Might even have a little. Yes. Yes. I'm working on some things uh, for the okay. tailgate. So we might have something. Got something, little, something up our sleeve. Yeah. I like it. All right. Um, let's go ahead and talk a lot of Florida State LSU. And to do that. We're going to bring on my friend, Matt Moscona. Here we go. Matt, what's going on, man? Bud, Graham, what's up, y'all? Appreciate you having me. Absolutely, dude. So, uh, Matt is ESPN Baton Rouge Radio. Uh, Graham is a native radio guy out of, you were 680, right? 680 in Atlanta. Yeah. In Atlanta. Um, I actually just saw Matt at SEC Media Day and did his show, and, and we are, we're, we're trading back and forth. And a guy who you know, just, I, I think, has great insight on the Tiger. Matt, so welcome to the show. I appreciate it, fellas. There's a um, uh, there's a lot of excitement over this opener, uh, more so than the one a year ago. That, for being very honest, man, I think LSU fans collectively, everyone around the program, thought LSU would probably you know just just walk in that game. 
down in the dome where LSU's had a lot of success. And uh, it was a, I mean, that, that was a, a bucket of ice water on the head, I think, for the program to realize how far they had to go because, and everybody's talked a lot last year, guys, about that game. And, and most people start with the end. They just start with the block PAT. That was a pretty terribly played football game. I mean, it, it was it was evident, like, both teams had a long way to go. Uh, and, I mean, look, Jordan Travis on third down was was the difference in that ball game. But, um, uh, but I mean, golly, just how, how both teams just – mirrored each other improving throughout the year finishing with 10 wins both finishing with a bowl win in orlando and now all the off-season hype you know a lot of really veteran players came back it's it's interesting how parallel they are so i think there's just a lot more nervous energy here this year as opposed mm-hmm. to, to last year interesting yeah for lsu and how far they had to go and for florida state it was kind of Damn, we might have gotten here a little bit quicker than we thought we did uh, from, you know, what the last couple of years have been. And, and obviously, you know, beating LSU is not, with all due respect to the program, it's not the top of the mountain and winning 10 games is not the top of the mountain, but probably landed a little bit ahead of schedule last year. So uh, interesting, the two different mentalities. But you're right. No, both programs uh, have mirrored each other in what's transpired from that day. Both programs have been very active in the portal. And, uh, you know, this roster for both teams is always going to change year to year, but has been, you know, significantly bolstered. Uh, this is going to be a fun preview, excited. And uh, it, it is odd how much these two programs are kind of mirroring each other right now and makes for a hell of a hell of an exciting Sunday. Matt, uh, what I guess we'll just start with, with LSU's offense. From what, from my perspective, it looked like later on in the year, Daniels became more comfortable throwing the ball. Um, they, they went a lot more tempo and he seemed to, I guess just be more comfortable at tempo. What what did you see, you know, after Florida State played LSU, and then what have you seen so far uh, in fall that that informs your opinion on, on what this LSU offense will be? Yeah. So I don't know if y'all remember the very first play of that game last year. Um, LSU had the ball and couldn't block a soul, and Jaden escaped around left end for a twenty-five yard gain. And little did we know that was indicative of how about half of LSU season would go, where the best offense was, oh, crap, Jaden, run. Um, guys, LSU used six different offensive line combinations in the first eight games last year. They they were bad. Not like they struggled. They were bad on the offensive line. Jaden Daniels ran for 900 yards last year because he had to. Mm-hmm. Um, the most dramatic difference as the season went along they were kind of building the bridge as they crossed it. Will Campbell, who had a it was a true freshman starting at left tackle, and he, he drew Jared Verse as your first assignment. Congrats, kid. Right. Yeah. I mean, but he's turned into a guy that is I had one former SEC quarterback tell me yesterday, said, watching film on LSU, said I think Will Campbell is the best pure pass blocker I've ever seen in that program. I mean, he's a guy that's a future top ten mm-hmm top 10 pick. I mean, he's incredible. He really settled in. Emory Jones won the right tackle job. The the offensive line settled. And now you've got a a unit that have all played together and they're all veteran and good. And that's a massive difference. So that, that developed as the season went along. And when Jaden could actually stand upright and they established a traditional running game, of course, it made his job easier as as a passer. So, you know, it's, it wasn't always pretty, but you look up in total, guys, LSU averaged just under 35 points a game last year. 
Jaden Daniels had the fifth highest passing total single season in LSU history, ran for 900 yards, which was the most by an LSU quarterback in a season. I mean, it's he, he had a really good year. 17 touchdowns, three picks. He was efficient. I mean, he's the reason they won 10 games and beat Bama and all that stuff. So, you know, I think the real big question this year is, can he take that year, which was, was a really good year, and make it a special year? And and if he can, if he can go from 2,900 passing to 35, 3,800 passing, from 17 touchdowns to 30 touchdowns passing. Now, all of a sudden, you you got a team that's capable of winning every game they play. And and – they're in the, the championship conversation, but that's really on on his shoulders of taking that next developmental step from year one to year two of this program. It's interesting. So, like, on our side, uh, everybody at Florida State thinks Jordan Travis has taken another step. Like, they like just they, – they were like, okay, this is sort of – I'm not going to make the Joe Burrow comp because he's, he's not in that league. Yeah, don't do that. In terms of, like – right, exactly. Like, But in terms of – just super old guy like Jordan's what 24 gram uh I believe he's 23 yeah okay like old dude you know just really comfortable in the offense seems to have taken a a, a step forward right like a, a, another step in fall and just they're like this this looks like you noticeably different from a guy that's operated the offense now you know for multiple years have we kind of heard different things at LSU like I, I heard Feldman last night on his pod said he heard that, that Daniels has taken a step forward. I also heard from another guy who, who went through there in the fall. I was like, eh, I don't, I don't see it. Now, granted, like they could have seen stuff on different days, or the people they talked to could have seen stuff on, on like. I mean, you, I know you've seen a lot of days. Yeah. Do you think Daniels has taken like a noticeable step since the end of last year? Yeah, they, um, you know, but you and I had talked about this. LSU gives Brian Kelly has given us crazy access. Yeah. I mean, we get to watch like everything. It's not just 15 minutes of stretch. We mm-hmm. get to stay for the whole practice. We get to watch seven on seven, 11 on 11. They had a scrimmage in Tiger Stadium. We got to watch. Um, Jaden, I think, looks so much more comfortable. Yeah. And, and a big part of that, like you're talking about, about Jordan Travis, like it's his sixth year in college. Like you should, like, there's always guys like everybody. Everybody knows this guy who was like, you know, when you're playing football in the seventh grade, and there was the guy who was already shaving, and nobody could tackle him, right? Yeah. And and that's the kid who, when that's the guy in high school, is the five star recruit and everything. And but a lot of times when you get to the next level and everyone sort of catches up to you, you it's not that you regress. It's just that everybody got older. Like when you're 24 playing against 18 and 19 year olds and you played 50 college games, you should be better than that. You should be really comfortable. So I think that's the benefit that both of these teams have with their quarterbacks. Like, I mean, you know, you said you're not going to make the Burrow comparison. Nobody should because Joe had the single greatest season we've ever seen from a quarterback. Yo, people here are like, Hey, you think, think Jaden's going to have a, a, make that step like Burrow did? No, he's not. Joe Burrow threw for, 60 touchdowns. He went 1-1. One, one. Like we, we we saw that with Jameis. What one one looks different. If you go 1.1, like it just it ain't that's not normal. But 5,000 yards and 60 touchdowns, man. 60. <laughs> like, no, it's that has never happened again. So, like, put it on a box, put it in a in a box, put it on a shelf, love it, admire it every time you pass by, remember how great it was, but realize that's never happening again.
ever. You're never getting that again. But, you know, could Jane Daniels be good enough for LSU to win a national championship? Yes. It, does he look more comfortable? Undeniably. I mean, he came in here, remember, guys, last year in fall camp, there was a four-way quarterback battle to win the job. Right. Miles Brennan was still here, who was kind of the fan favorite. You had Nussmeyer here and Walker Howard, who was the five-star freshman on campus. So, you know, throughout fall camp, it wasn't even, Jaden, you get all the reps with the ones. They were, like, rotating all of them to get them reps with the ones. So, yeah, he should be more comfortable and more settled th this year. They have neighbors who, I look, I think because neighbors did not have a big game last year in the FSU game, a lot of Florida State fans who probably don't watch LSU week in, week out. I watch a lot of LSU because my wife went to LSU. So I, I, I watch I watch probably 10 or 11 LSU games a year, right? I, I don't really care when you guys play like Southeast Louisiana or whatever. But <laughs> um, but like I, I like start to finish type thing. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it with her and, and put, you know, the other games I'm watching on a couple other, you know, iPad screens and whatnot. Um, guys, I think Neighbors is really good. Like, like, like and I know he was like top five or top six in Dame Brugler's, you know, NFL draft thing, you know, preseason. What do you like the other receiving options? They, they you, you got the tight end. Have to, have other guys emerged at receivers? Like there was a whole lot of names I liked, and it felt like in reading the coverage and listening to the coverage, a different guy kind of popped every day. Like at Florida State, it's real clear. I mean, it's it's Keon and Johnny. Yeah, wash, rinse, repeat. Like, are there a two and three that we need to know for LSU that, that you think will emerge? Yeah, man. There's a two, a three, a four, a five, and a six. Yeah, like. The weird thing about LSU is, do y'all? I mean, you, of course you will, but LSU had like this decade with Les Miles where they were just so antiquated, right? Like they they couldn't. Every year they were in the triple digits nationally in pass offense, but they still got guys like Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Ruben Randall. They kept pumping receivers through here and into the pros. So all that just to say, like LSU's always had really good receiving talent. Now you see, obviously, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and all those guys and what they're doing at the next level. So. This state, Louisiana, has always produced good skill guys. So LSU's always had really deep, talented receivers. You're right about Malik Neighbors. If if he has the type, he's he's the alpha. Not only is he the most talented guy they have, he's the guy that that will trash talk, and he's the guy that'll make a great catch and like stand over you, let you know he made a great catch. He's he is that he's that receiver, right? Most programs have one. He's that guy. Um, they love Kyron Lacy who that's the guy who you probably need to know that took the the meteoric last year to this year rise. He transferred in last year and this year he's, I think he's undeniably their number two behind Malik. Um, Brian Thomas is the anti-Malik neighbors. He's, he's the lion that doesn't know he's a lion. You know, he's this big, strong, physical dude that is just really soft-spoken, understated, not very loud on the field, but you got to know where he is because he can beat you over the top. He can also make contested catches over the middle. Um, I don't want to just rattle off names, guys, but I, I, another one I'll tell you, you got you to watch on Sunday is going to be Aaron Anderson. Um, he the wears number one. Yes, the Bama okay, transfer. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, he can go. Like I, Yeah. He's got the quick, the quick clips notes on him is he's from New Orleans, was committed to LSU. When Ed Ogeron got fired, he decommitted, ended up going to Bama. He was hurt all last year. He is LSU's kick returner. He is LSU's punt returner. Um, we have seen them run jet sweeps with him in, in camp. He will run the ball. He will catch the ball. He will return kicks and punts. Like, 
I will be fall over stunned if the game finishes on Sunday and Aaron Anderson hasn't touched the ball in four different ways throughout the game. Like hmm. if you're looking for the the sort of um you know the the jack of all trades that that you know joker card on the that wild card like it's it's the kid wearing one in white. He's um they they didn't have a guy like him last year. And uh and I think they're really excited to find ways to get creative to use him. And you're, so, you're, you'll see him on Sunday. Neighbors, Lacey, Thomas, Anderson, Coleman, and Destin Hill. That's like six of the top seven receivers in this game are from the state of Louisiana. I didn't even mention Chris Hilton, who was a is a legit track star, uh, who's probably LSU's next guy. And I didn't even mention the two five-star signees they got. One of them, Shelton Sampson from Baton Rouge, who also is a freak. And... Uh, Jalen Brown from down in, in Miami, who's yeah. that great kid. He's that kid's gonna be special. Like you can see he's just he's just deep on a on the depth chart in a very talented room, but you can tell that kid's gonna be really good. If you bulk him up, I I do think he he could be something for you. All right. So like from what I'm hearing all this, and I, I look and and last year I thought Jaden there's not a lot of weaknesses in the guy's game. Like like I don't think he's like a first round type kid, but I mean he's still a really good college quarterback for the college game. But like one of the weaknesses that I saw was not pulling the trigger on the deep shots and kind of having to see it instead of trusting it at times. And I think he got a little better with it down the stretch, but, and if I'm Florida state, I'm just coming after him and making him beat me deep. And if he hits a couple bombs, but you know, air mails a couple or, you know, holds it, eats it, takes a sack. Cause it's a weird thing with him is like, there's just sort of like really wide distribution of outcomes he has one of the absolute worst in the country in terms of the percentage of pressures converted into sacks. I mean, 40% of pressures against him went for sacks last year, which is nuts. And it, But however, he had number one scramble rush score by like orders of magnitude once he broke the line of scrimmage. So yeah. if you missed him, you were absolutely dead in the water. And like Florida State saw that. Like it, you talk to people on Florida State sidelines, when he ran by them on that first play you mentioned, like, Oh damn! Okay, like he's <laughs> that's a little bit different, different. On, on the scramble. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so I would just come after him and try to make this thing into an absolute track meet, right? However, I haven't seen like a single positive report about this run game at all out, out of camp, and it kind of makes me wonder: like, if you're Florida State, do you sit in too high and dare LSU to run the ball and see if they can? Maybe, and LSU couldn't last year, aside from Jaden. Uh, yeah. Jaden had a, had one fourteen, I think, rushing. Um, but the running backs combined last year. I looked it up yesterday. LSU's running backs last year combined thirteen carries for thirty nine yards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I that was we'll all take t- that again. But- yes, you know it's it's weird because I mean, remember like LSU even without Mason Smith, LSU's run defense played really well. I mean, the the difference in the game last year were the quarterback's ability to make plays and for Jordan Travis to make plays on third down. Like LSU could not get them off the field. But you, I mean, but you're. It's funny when you're you're talking about the um, the, the the percentages from a year ago. We uh, want the last full scale scrimmage LSU just had in Tiger Stadium, and the media got to watch. The offense had a four. It was they went ones on ones, twos on twos. So we got to watch LSU against the first defense. They went ones on ones, and they had a fourth and seven around midfield. And so they decided they're going to go for it. And uh, Harold Perkins came on an all like it was all out blitz, and. Jaden ducked him and ran for 17 yards and moved the chains. Like that's what he can do. So, but but you're right on the pressures converted into sacks because 
what Jay, what what LSU couldn't afford for Jaden Daniels to do last year was make the mistake to get them beat. They weren't good enough to overcome a three interception game. So if you're being pressured, it's hey, take the sack, live to play another down instead of forcing something that's not there. Um, if you could take Garrett Nussmeyer, who last year when he got in the game against Southern, like was going to the sideline on, on a pressure and just like flip the ball right into the defender's belly. Like if you could take the two of them and just blend them, like a little <laughs> less of Nussmeyer's lunacy, a little more aggression from Jaden, like meet those two in the middle, you'd have a really special player. But um, that that storyline, bud, about Jaden pushing the ball downfield, that's been talked about ad nauseum here. It's the thing everybody talks about. Well, the receivers were pissed at him in the dome. Like, you could see uh, Boutte and Neighbors, like, we talk about Neighbors talking smack. They're like, they're. I don't think the TV copy shows this, but if you're down, like, they were pissed that yeah, he wasn't throwing the ball. Like, the LSU had guys open last year, and Daniels just would not throw it. I tell you part a, of it because they get pressures, but there was a um boy, they had opportunities in that game. I mean, the first the first drive of the game, Daniels did throw a ball at the back of the end zone to Kayshawn that went through his hands. Yeah. Um Kayshawn ran a quick slant, wanted the goal. I remember and he hit him in the seven and he did put it on his hip they, or the yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was I, cutting up a bunch of film from this game last night and that stood out to me. Oh. They had their I've guys it was a poorly played game last year. I, I just think both teams are dramatically different than than they than they were a season ago. But um, Brian Kelly, so Brian Kelly said something interesting along those lines this week. Um, he said when they ran seven on sevens this year in camp, they told Jaden it's fourth down, it's not first and ten. You have to throw the ball. You, there was no check down. You've got to throw the ball. So I think that so they have very consciously tried to drill that into him. Take a chance, you know. Push the ball. Trust your receivers. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if that message took. Yeah. Um, Graham, you got anything more on – like, I, I just for kind of LSU folks' side, I – I, I know it would be interesting if he does, uh, just real quickly. I think it's it's the one area of Florida State that I don't feel real confident about testing the back end of the defense per se. Not, you know, not that they're a massive liability, but a uh, new defense back coach – a safety who's played a ton, but still has never really taken that leap in Akeem Dent that that people have hoped for. Uh, Shaheem Brown, great coming up and and uh, giving support in the run. Still a little bit of game to be improved in in some of the finer aspects of pass coverage. Uh, that is the one place where I think you know Florida State fans fairly confident about this game. I, I don't know too many sane ones that think they're going to win by you know fourteen or something like that, but. <laughs> uh, you know, don't let that stop you. Um, but I do think that's the one area where this fan base will be like, Oh, we didn't, we didn't account for this. This was not kind of in our mental math for this game. Uh, if you look up and, and all of a sudden Daniels is, is consistently testing the back end of the secondary that might otherwise be a little bit eager to, to come up and, and, you know, do what's, you, what's your reference there. If you, if you don't come up and give support, dude's going to kill you 17, 19 yards at a time. So uh, that is that is one thing that I'll be interested in, and one of the things that I'll I'll look for early in the game. No doubt, I'm, I'm I think on both sides, and we'll we'll switch to the other side here. But I think on both sides, it's basically you have several pass catchers who are almost certainly top 100 picks mm-hmm. against a lot of defensive backs who I'm not going to say won't be picked, but are probably not in that sort of like first three or four round range. They're more like rounds five, six, seven. 
get a call priority undrafted free agent type guy, like, like, you know, kind of a guaranteed camp spot type thing. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I that's just kind of how I, I, I see it there. Like, I, I think you do have both sides have dudes, dudes on, um, at that receiver. Yeah. So swapping the other side. Oh, uh, guys, LSU needs to know about Braden Fisk is a, uh, they got him from, from Western Michigan. LSU, LSU wanted him. Yeah. Legitimate interior. So I heard. Pack. Yeah. <laughs> it, I don't interior... know if that was a big story there, but yeah, LSU wanted him. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, it, interior pass rush for sure. Um, the other thing that I don't think Florida state had last year in that ball game, um, Pat Payton ended up being like one of the better pass rushers in the ACC opposite of Burst. And obviously last year he you know, was a super young dude who didn't make a huge impact in that game. So like, obviously if you're LSU, you have to help with Burst. But I mean, then again, I, I think Campbell got a lot better. Like I know for a fact, Florida State watched the future 50 tape on Campbell last year um, and saw him get bull rushed. Now it's no pads, but like future 50 is that recruiting event, you know, and they're like, mm-hmm. Okay, verse can bull, verse can bowl this guy. Obviously, Campbell's like what is he 20, 25 pounds bigger than than when he reported last year. He's a five star tackle. Like they kind of grow up. Uh, but I think Peyton on the other side is somebody else, you know, to watch there uh, for sure. On the other side, I'm like not entirely sure what to make of this LSU defense. I, yeah. I thought Matt House is a great hire. I thought at times he had like really good game plans last year, and I mean. They play like they they played a lot more of this three down kind of Iowa State spinner looking stuff uh, as the year progressed. I didn't see a lot of that against Florida State. Obviously, you don't really want to run that to defend counter, and which is uh, uh, the things FSU does well. Counter is probably like it, you know. And basically, if you're a coach out there at the high school or the college level, there's basically two staffs that you go watch when they do like the Nike Coach of the Year clinic or. Um, was it Odyssey? There's a couple like like coaching clinic series that like uh, you know you you'd go do to talk to other college coaches or for the most part high school coaches, right? And like Florida State's um, their their counter tape is really popular because they run it really really well and they have about a million variations on it. And I'm curious like how LSU plays counter in this game, you know it, and then to get really just sort of pull on this thread, how does Florida State anticipate? the counters to Florida State's counter game and how do they I don't want to use the word counter again how do they plan <laughs> keep for, up. <laughs> how do they plan for the counters that they anticipate LSU making to the counter right like it, yeah. obviously like, like I guess you could play some wide nine stuff I, how good does LSU feel about its its defense events because last year we, we saw some teams do this like Wake had two pretty good DNs and one got drafted the other is now starting in Oklahoma um, and they played it pretty effectively. We're not giving away state secrets here, guys. LSU has tape, so right. save the comments. I'm kind of curious, like, how do they, how are they going to play? Not that you want to give away what was in practice, but like, what is your thoughts on the defensive line? There's actual question. I should ask a question sure. if we have a guess. Sorry. Yeah. So the, the the defensive line on the interior, even without Mason Smith, they feel really good. Now I want to be like abundantly clear about this. Okay. So before anyone runs a lot. And says, oh, he says it's not a there, they do not have another Mason Smith. Okay. That is a major loss. He is a game wrecker. The hole is greater than the sum of the parts. You can't put four guys out there and get Mason Smith. It doesn't work that way. They do not have another Mason Smith. That is like when 
when LSU took the field against Florida State last year, Mason Smith wasn't just their best defensive lineman. He was the best player on the team, period. Like, they don't have another one. When Mason Smith got hurt, LSU spent the rest of the season with three defensive tackles they rotated the whole year. Three. That is an insane lack of depth, but it speaks to the issue that Brian Kelly inherited with the roster problems. So they knew they had to go address that. That's why Braden Fisk was such a priority for them. And they obviously, they didn't get him. Um, they did bring in four defensive line transfers, uh, defensive tackle transfers. So Makai Wingo is back. He's the guy that primarily replaced Mason Smith a year ago. And he had, he got, he was on some all American teams. I mean, he was a, uh, he's a, Short, squatty guy, but, man, he is powerful on the interior. Uh, Jacoby and Guillory is a 330-pound space heater. Who's the, we talk about guys that at 22 are different than they were at 18. That's that's Guillory. They call him Tank. He's a big dude. He's a, he's tough to move in the middle. Jordan Jefferson's a transfer they brought in from West Virginia, who y'all might be familiar with. Yep. Um, it's very weird. There's another Jordan Jefferson at LSU, uh, but there is. He was a quarterback was on that 2011 team. Um, he's a very strong 310-pound interior tackle. Jalen Lee, who's transferred from Florida, kid from Live Oak, Louisiana, went to Florida, he's transferred in. He's factored into that rotation as well. They they feel really good five defensive tackles they have rotating and six if you include Mason Smith. So they got they at least have numbers and they've got veteran guys there. Now, Bud, you asked about the ends, and this is where I have a much bigger question. They Savion Jones is replacing Ali Gay. So they in the in their their alignment, they sort of have a three-four where they'll have like the, the big end, what they call it the left end, and then they have their jack linebacker, which is kind of like a, a stand-up outside linebacker end. Um BJ O'Jalari was the Jack last year. He's gone to the NFL and he was awesome. The guy that's replacing him is Obi Agofu. How about how about this helmet lineup? He started under Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, transfers to Texas, now he's at LSU. So he's got Notre Dame, Texas, LSU. That's going to be a pretty cool game room one day. Um, Agofu looks the part. He's never statistically popped. Um, He's in his sixth year of college, and he's never had like that double-digit tackle for lost season or anything like that. So he's a giant question mark. Um, Braden Swinson is an Oregon transfer who's backing him up. Same thing. Uh, Athletic dude, looks good in the uniform, never has really piled up an impressive season statistically. Savion Jones is the one replacing Ali Gay on the left side. He wears number 35, and he looks awesome. Like, mm. he looks like the guy that's ready to take the big step. He's got to go do it, but he played when he played last year, he played well, but he was just a backup to, to a guy that was a really talented player in Ali Gay. And he's their big end, like like 280-ish? Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. that's what, he, okay. He is. You cannot miss him. Uh, he is impressive. Backing him up is a giant question. Uh, they tried Paris Shand there, who's an Arizona transfer. They tried Quincy Wiggins, who was a gigantic recruit when they got him a year ago, but he just hasn't looked good in this camp. Deshaun Womack is a five-star, was the highest-rated guy in this class, who has gotten pushed around by LSU's offensive line. They're really good on the interior. They have real questions about both ends, and that could be a problem in this game. Uh, yeah, I... Well, especially if they want to get out of that three-down stuff and, and play other stuff, then then it's going to be pressure on. See, I I think you can make a reasonable case that you could power rate LSU over FSU and still pick FSU to win the ball game on matchups. 
honestly. Like, I, yeah. I know that sounds kind of crazy. Like, linebacker, though, I know Oregon State loves Spates or Spate, Spate or Spates? Spates, Spates, yeah. Spates. He seems like, like just a bright guy. Like, you watch him, like, okay, good instincts. And then it, I guess it allows, how are they, are they going to use Perkins really off ball all the time? Like, so that's, so that is the biggest defense. We talked about Aaron Anderson offensively. Harold Perkins didn't even play in this game last year, y'all. Um, they didn't know what to do with him last year because your best, you know, edge guy was BJ Ojolari, and they had Perkins playing the Jack. So one of the things Matt House had to figure out was how do I get both those guys on the field at the same time? And when they got blown out by Tennessee, the next week against Ole Miss was like, screw it, you better put that kid on the field. And, and then you saw what he did. It was incredible. I mean, he had eight and a half sacks, 12 and a half tackles for loss, played half a season. And like, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, he's just, you like, this ain't a bias thing. I just, the, the guy's a freak show. He's incredible. Um, so, what they do with him is going to be fascinating because none of us really know. He is playing off ball linebacker. I mean, it is Spates and Perkins in the middle. But Brian Kelly has said they're going to move him all over the place. And he'll probably, when they need him to rush off the edge, he'll put him there. When they need they need him to turn and run and cover, he can do that. You need him to, to bow up and stuff the run, he can do that. I mean, he's he's awesome. I mean, I, I, the way I've kind of compared guys is they're trying to turn him into what Devin White was here. It's a three-down linebacker. They do anything. You need him to blitz up the middle, he can. You need him to come off the edge, he can. You need him to be a 110-tackle guy, he can. I mean, I think that's the plan, but – you know, he wrecked some games last year. Like, I don't think LSU. Arkansas. Well, Arkansas for sure. Yeah. Um, if you go back and watch the way he impacted Bryce Young in the Alabama game, like, they probably don't win that game without him. So, you know, he might be the thing, but that cleans up a lot of the shortcomings that they may have in other places in that front seven. Um, and I think that's going to be fascinating to watch on Sunday. We're, I mean, we're all excited to see him play. But – um they need him to be a game record. Uh, he's got the potential to do it, but it's it's going to look different this year than it did last year, for sure. I uh, in the back end, I mean, Oof. on talent, <laughs> on talent, Denver Harris being the number two corner in the portal absolutely makes sense because when he played for A and M last year, he played well, and five star true freshman playing early, playing well, obviously driving as fast as he does live streaming it on Instagram or whatever it was in a, t- in a parking garage. It's not necessarily the best decision making I've ever seen. Um, it seems like that kind of stuff has not been fully cleaned up yet. And that's why he's third string. Like, and then the, the Ohio state kid LSU took at corner is hurt. I don't know if he's going to start, but like, is it fair to say that, I mean, not not that like Zy Alexander, the what the FCS All American at corner, uh, you know, from what Southeast is really good. Yeah. And Chestnut, obviously, Florida State crushed Chestnut last year in the Syracuse game, but he had a nice year overall. Clearly, and you know, you can have a bad game at times. It it, it happens. Is it fair to say like they're not reaching the potential we thought they could have two months ago with the secondary so far? Yeah, uh, <laughs> that is. Look, LSU is. Re- LSU is going to be really good offensively. And I think their defensive front seven has enough depth and talent that they're going to be – and I think Matt House is creative enough that they're going to be good there too. The secondary is – oh, boy. Like, 
guys, you know, LSU has done that whole DBU moniker thing for a long time, and a lot of it's warranted. I mean, you don't need me to rattle off the names. You, you know the guys that have come here that have been first-round picks and have been super talents and all that sort of stuff. It is so wild to, to be starting a season and to objectively know that the secondary is the unquestioned weakness of, of an LSU team. Because it was always flipped. Like, you just always knew, okay, even if you don't have a pass rush, just put Stingley out there. And whoever your best guy is, it doesn't matter because my guy's going to win. Or Patrick Peterson. Or Morris Claiborne. Or go back to Corey Webster. It doesn't matter. Like, LSU's always had him. Tredavious White. Right? Just, right, you get him, you get him, and we're good. Everybody else figure your stuff out. Um, It it ain't like that, man. I mean, um. Zai Alexander is the one you mentioned from Southeastern. He's their best guy. Um, and I, I don't know that that's a great thing. You know, he's a, he's a sixth-year college football player now uh, who's 6'3 and long and athletic, but it ain't the same when you're playing FCS and then when you're going to play Florida State. Uh, you mentioned Deuce Chestnut. Some of the drills we've seen him do, he's looked good, but conversations I've had, they're – it's almost like, man, if that's our second best guy, we got a problem. Uh, you mentioned J.K. Johnson. He's got a red Ohio State transfer. He's got a broken leg, so he's going to miss a chunk of the season. Um, I mean, the two other guys that are going to factor in, I'll talk about Denver Harris in a second, but the two other guys that look like they're going to factor in are Ashton Stamps, who's a true freshman. He's a three-star out of New Orleans. Now, the interesting thing about Stamps is what he maybe doesn't have athletically, he can make up but the fact that he's a really good player and a smart player. It comes from Rumble, same place where Jamar Chase came from. They're a really good pro high school football program. So everybody knows those types of programs where guys come out and they're just polished. They're just ready. Um, so Stamps is a guy, but he's a true freshman. Be playing his first game. And then the big thing is they move Sage Ryan from nickel to corner. And Sage was a five-star. You know, he's, he's a junior now, but pretty it's athletic. safe to yeah. say. Yeah. It's safe to say that the expectation on Sage Ryan is higher than what what his career has been so far. And if two weeks before the season starts, your move sorry, something fell. Uh your it's ghosts. If you're moving a guy that's played two years at safety to outside corner and running him with the ones, you got a problem. Like you have a real problem. Yeah. So I think they got a real problem at corner. Like a real with a legit problem, and the offense is going to have to score uh, because other teams like Florida State is going to make plays in the passing game. They are they are going to complete passes. They are going to throw for touchdowns and get a lot of passing yards. That's just that's how it's going to be against the secondary times this year when you play elite offenses like that. Um, so L- LSU's offense better be as good as I think they're going to be, um, and and you're probably going to see a lot of high scoring games. I think Florida State's offensive line is probably uh, significantly better than it was last year. I, I don't believe this idea that they are a number three offensive line in the country. Uh, I know Phil Steele had him there. I think that's kind of crazy, but hmm. I don't think it's crazy to put them like top fifteen, top twelve with the amount well, of. But why not better? Because like I mean, they've got. I know. I, like I read the game notes. They got the. No, most I, I just start. don't think they have a lot of like crazy high end talent. Like I think they've got a number of guys who will be like sort of you know, seventh undrafted type thing, but they don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't give you a lot of freebies with, with just, you know, blown stuff. They communicate pretty well. They are all back basically. And 
you know, like the, you get a kid like Bless Harris, who was going to be a starter last year before he tore his shoulder in the uh, the, the decaying game before LSU. So they had they had to run Jazz Turrentine, who had like just joined joined the team out there against LSU last year to block. Um, I think it was Allie Gay before Gay got the targeting, right? And I was like, I don't really love uh, the the you know the fact that they're running Jazz Turrentine out there. Um, Bless Harris isn't even listed as a starter on the depth chart because they got Robert Scott back and, and healthy, and then they got Jeremiah Byers, who was probably the best offensive tackle in Conference USA last year at off UTEP. Right. And like, you know, he's projected to start. Um, you know, I, I think that they're also better on the interior than they were last year. They, they got a seventh year guy in Demetri Emanuel, who's played for Atkins for since the Charlotte days. And um, mm. and then, you know, I, I think they're considerably better than they were last year as an offensive line and certainly deeper. Like that's been like a five year project. I don't think that they have like I don't know that they have a Will Campbell on this unit. Like a dude who's like, OK, as long as he just stays healthy for the next two two seasons, he's probably a first round, second round type guy, you know, I would, I would think. Uh, but I think this is kind of what I was talking about with on power ratings. This may not be picking up issue. The one weakness I would not want to have against this Florida state team is corner. Like, <laughs> like just uh, Keon Coleman is, I think he's Florida state's best receiver. And I'm saying that knowing full well, Johnny Wilson legitimately looks much improved than he did last year. Um, you know, Wilson was like a 17% drop rate guy at Arizona State. Last year, he cut it to like eight, which, you know, helps. Like, he's been pretty dynamite in camp this year, catching the football. And Coleman, we were having some fun with like these stats bombs graphs on the show. Michigan State's quarterback play kind of sucked. Yeah. And so his separation um, at the throw to separation at the – like his route separation achieved that they measure with like some of these like super advanced stats – Relative to what it was when the ball got there, like shrank. Basically, the, Auburn's court, Auburn's current quarterback basically threw him into a lot of contested catches, <laughs> and the dude caught ninety one percent of contested balls and was like he was in the top eight for Michigan State's basketball team. You you know where Keon Coleman's from? Yeah, oh, very exactly. well. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. He's, from, he's from Opelousas, Louisiana, and LSU couple, didn't even recruit him. A couple goes, talented skill position players come out of that state. We're familiar, absolutely. <laughs> It's it's crazy. I got asked. I got asked yesterday. Did did LSU recruit him either time? Um, no. Like it's just yeah. And he's awesome. It was a weird recruitment out of high school for sure. I mean yeah. the whole Kansas thing at first, and yeah. really believing he was a basketball player at first, you know that type of stuff. Um, yeah. If I'm Florida State, and I know that LSU doesn't have great depth at D end, um, and that they are very new personnel in the back end. Um. Much like, much like Daniels, I, I think Jordan got very comfortable running tempo last year uh, at, at at times w w when they needed to, especially if they caught people in packages. I I think you want to deny LSU the opportunity to move Perkins around as a chess piece, and to keep it fairly simple. I also want to make Perkins cover. You know, um, I think Florida State has a lot of personnel they can they could choose to move in and out of the lineup. Like they have three tight ends that they're pretty comfortable with. Jaheim Bell, the transfer uh, from South mm -hmm. Carolina, being kind of the the real chess piece. I mean, he had like 80 carries last year for South Carolina when they went out of running backs. Um, you know, so a guy who's pretty valuable and played pretty good running back in the SEC, you know, last year is like a 235 pounder. Right. I would I would tempo my balls off in this game if, if I'm Florida State, and just as I, I fully expect LSU to try to do.
right? And just see if you look at Norvell in the big games, the, the ones that go well, it's because he's creating like multiple 40 and 50 yarders, you know, whether that's a guy winning a one on one or just creating some coverage busts. And, and obviously, just as I think LSU will, I think you run Jordan. You know, like clearly in the big games, they Florida State has shown under Mike that they are not afraid to run him. You know, last year against Florida, they they kind of hit that easy button, and all of a sudden, you know, it was like, oh, there's two forty yarders, right? <laughs> Just yeah. it, it, it w- w- once they cross the fifty, I I wouldn't let. I know we talk about the new clock rules and stuff. I if they want to make this a shootout, I think Florida State is comfortable playing in shootout situations um, with you know with, with Jordan and those guys, uh, and it, I I think this is this is really high scoring. Um, you know, I agree. I, yeah. I think I, I but I, I don't know that LSU wants that necessarily. That's why I, I want you to, that's why I want to drag yeah. him into it. Like I, I want to see Daniels pull the trigger in tight situations, knowing that they've got to get to like 42 points, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Or, or like high thirties. Will he, will he repeatedly pull the trigger if FSU gives an opportunity? You know, if, um, you, Brian Kelly, it's, it's funny when you were talking, it reminded me, um, Brian Kelly on Monday at his press conference even kind of joked. He was like, uh, hey, "We we guys, we will. Yes, we still know how to huddle." I, Brian's he's he's got such dad humor. I, I respect the hell out of him for at least yeah. re- attempting to bring levity into a situation that people take so seriously. But um, I, I'm I'm going to be curious if LSU maybe does try to try to slow the pace a little bit. Um, but my my feeling is along the same lines as yours. I don't think they're going to have a choice. I, I think you're going to have to go and and score and score often and score a lot in this game. And, you know, guys, the other thing we haven't talked about yet, but if if you're looking at another fast of the game, I mean, LSU muffed two punts and had a PAT block last year. Yeah. Um, they were atrocious on special teams. They fired Brian Polian, their special teams coordinator. Uh, Bob Diaco is running that unit now. Um, and everybody, like they, guys, they, whew, Field goal I mean, as well, didn't when an extra point and a field goal was yes. blocked in the course of yes. the game. Yeah, they um, the amount of time they spent running like live special teams drills in fall camp this year was staggering. Like not going against air. I mean, you were running live unit on unit special teams, um, and everybody that's running out there is is, is someone on the two deep. Like they have made a commitment. We are not going to suck on special teams again. It was just it, it cost them. It, it cost them against Tennessee. They they fumbled the opening kickoff. LSU LSU with all the athletes they have averaged three yards per punt return last year. Three. That's crazy. Like that's catch it and fall fall forward three yards. So they um everyone here is going to be keeping a very very close eye on special teams. Like can they make up yards in in teams? Can can they? field the punt can they block and not get kicks blocked I mean, it was a circus last year y'all i think i saw one of those the tennessee game rate. yeah <laughs> yeah it was one, it was one of the bad. one of the efficiency ratings lsu last year was was 127th out of 131 uh in in the fbs and special teams efficiency it's so just it's like a level stuff yeah yeah you, you it's unacceptable um we're live on cover three in like four minutes, so we need to get to, to predictions. Matt, what time's your show today? I'm on uh, three to six central. Okay, 
cool. Everybody definitely want to check out Matt's show. Matt, do you want to give a prediction on the show? Or are you saving it for your show? No, I don't mind. I, I haven't locked in on something, but I, I think we are going to get a game in the 30s. And I think the odds makers have it right. I'd go 34-31. Um, it would not surprise me at all if Florida State won this game 38-31, 35, something, something like that. But um, probably I just think Harold Perkins makes a play, man. He's so tough to deal with. And if you need a play, I think he makes it. I, I fully expect every LSU, everyone who covers LSU to pick the Tigers and everyone who covers Florida State to pick Florida State. But those are the most fun games where there's a lot of uh, – there's a lot of anticipation going in, a lot of nervous energy. So I'll I'll hesitantly, with low confidence, pick LSU in a close game. I'm going Florida State. Th- uh, what do I want to do here? Florida State 38, LSU 34. Yeah, I could see that. I literally have the same score written down. Damn it, again? Uh, here, All right, so, so we did this yeah. twice last year. That's, that's where I was hitting as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, it just makes sense. Podcasting for 11 years together. It'll, it'll be landing somewhere in that area. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, Matt, really appreciate the time. This was a lot of fun. All right, guys, my pleasure. All right, take care, y'all. Thanks, Matt. All right, y'all, real quickly, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, Legendary Home Loans, Shannon and Chad, uh, 844-FSU-LOAN, been fantastic partners for us, been fantastic partners for more than 500 of our listeners. Congruity HR, Matt Lewis and his team, always fond of giving them praises, and they make uh, podcasts like these possible. So, Big thanks to Matt Lewis, his team, congruityhr.com. And I talked to you about Madison Social, but the tailgate is still sold out as of five minutes ago. So uh, we're going to see all you guys this weekend. I think the message has been delivered there, but uh, fortunate to be able to work work with those guys as well. So, uh, Bud, that was instructive, man. That that was very interesting to hear, uh, you know, that level of – of background and i know you got a show that starts right now so i'm gonna let you go i appreciate it talk to you soon bro look forward to seeing you in the next couple days until next time it's been another episode of the nolcast yes everybody be well man travel safe see you soon